is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Another special uh, USA tour series, uh, Nick. Uh, a, first of all, welcome. You've, you've been gone you for a couple Charlotte. days. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the welcome. Appreciate that. <laughs> we missed you uh, for our live pod. But uh, here we are uh, with a very special impromptu podcast. We're running on three hours of sleep and a dream. You know, that's what <laughs> we're doing. So, yeah, excited to be back. But we have a really special one, Dan, uh, for today. And I'm uh, really thankful that we get a chance to interview. Well, one of the two managers for Chelsea that have won the Champions League that have lifted the trophy, Robbie DiMatteo, is joining us. And so welcome and thank you for spending some time with us today. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here in Charlotte, USA. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah, exciting. I never thought I'd be sitting in Charlotte with one <laughs> Robbie DiMatteo. Uh, funny how life works. Um, That's right. But <laughs> I guess, first of all, how has it been? Um, for you, uh, being back in the States with Chelsea, I think you said it was 2012 or no, obviously 2011, 2011, right? 2011, 2011 last time. Yeah, yeah, 11, 11. How, how is it visiting the States soon, seeing the, uh, the passion of the American fans for Chelsea? 12, 12, 12, it was actually, yes. No, very good. I mean, um, I think, uh, you've seen over the last decade how, uh, increasingly more fans the Chelsea football club has over here in the States and, uh. It's very nice to see that um, I've always liked to come to, to the States here. Yeah, uh, I come regularly for, for, for friends and, and so on to visit friends and uh, I always have a good time here. Yeah. Uh, I quite like the, the quality of life over here. So it's, it's always great and to be associated with the club, uh, it's, uh, it's a nice, you know, it's, it's been a large part of my life, not only my career, but my life really. So it's always nice to be with the club. Yeah, that's great. Um, I think since we have a little bit of time, we're going to talk about kind of the Champions League run-up for all of our listeners out there. Uh, the first one, was, which is really interesting, was the, the Napoli leg. Obviously, it was one of the first matches in charge. I think it was the first Champions League match for you. Uh, coming off a pretty big deficit, uh, had to overturn uh, a, a, you know, a big result from the, the away mm-hmm. leg. Uh, I guess, how was it for you in terms of preparation, maybe team talk? Uh, were the players up for it? Were they kind well, of like, oh, no? Well, you know, you know, the big games, the big games, uh, you don't really to have, <laughs> you don't need to have a big pep talk because they are so motivated for those games. So they actually, as, as they look more difficult on papers, they're actually easier to prepare for because, you know, the players are going to be really focused and so you just need to really make sure that the small details get across to them. Um, I remember that uh, I, I picked a pretty experienced team for that game because I knew that they had done it before. They knew how to deal with the pressure of those games. And also the atmosphere at Central Beach was electric. Uh, I, I remember that. It was amazing. But then, it was a great game. I mean, just a great football game because we went ahead, you know, with sort of match plan, you know, that, you know, we wanted to score an early goal or go ahead. And then they obviously then scored uh, one goal to uh, make it a bit more difficult for us. We managed to go into extra time. And it was a great battle. Uh, it was a good, really good Napoli team as well. Mm-hmm. And I think when we scored the, the fourth goal, uh, with an unlikely scorer, really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, 
I think I think the the stadium just erupted. It was incredible. Uh, you know, I still get goosebumps sometimes when uh, when I talk about it. So you think about that great spine that you had. You know, I mean, Terry Lampard, Drogba, all score in this game. Check. Yeah. Well, he didn't score in the game. Uh, <laughs> He's talking about goal scorers. Yeah. And then Ivanovic comes in with an absolute banger to win it. I mean, <laughs> I mean that that had to make you feel good about the future prospects in the competition right that your well, star showed well, up sport is unpredictable you know mm-hmm. soccer about sport in general is unpredictable so you don't know where you know what the next challenge is and, and what, what's going to take to go through it but knock and knockout you know you have these two games and you know you have to prepare over eight, eight uh, 180 minutes so sometimes people lose the the objective and think it's one game but you know you need to even if you're trailing in the first game you have to remember that there is still another game to play so you're never really out until 180 or extra time whatever is, <laughs> is played so so that's important to know when you play those knockout games um, but that was a really important first step and I think it was one of the probably best games as well you know even though the other ones were <clears throat> Maybe because we went through to you know the quarter semis and, and final, but that uh, that one was you know to over overturn the first leg result and you know new manager and so on and so on. It was it was pretty pretty good, pretty special. You know when we as fans think about the way that we feel when we get a chance to impact the game, be loud in the stadium. How do how do you and the players feed off that or feel about that? You know, I think we feel like we make a big difference, but how do you perceive it? Well, it's correct. I mean, you, your your perception is absolutely correct. You know, when when the fans in your own stadium are behind you and they are singing and they are pushing on, you really, as a player, really feel that energy. You know, within the stadium, when sometimes it gets a bit flat and a bit quiet, and you take that on as a player. You know, not, maybe not the whole ninety minutes, but there are periods in the game where you really uh, absorb what's going on in the in the stadium. So it's really important when you when the supports the fans are behind the team and. And push them on, and you can see that you know that uh, that effort and the energy that comes through. Is it the same when you go to maybe a ground of a, an opponent where there's a lot of history yeah, and rivalry, sure. where you can <laughs> yeah. feed off of it too? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, you know, there are during games, the uh, a game, there are certain periods of of the game that you know the opponent is maybe on top, and and you know you can see the. The energy that that comes from their supporters, and you have to try and you know just make sure that you you save through that moment, and then momentum might change or will change at some point. So it's important uh, to know that. But you know, when you have a little bit of experience, you know how to deal with that and um, how to prepare the team for that too. You, you talk about an opposition crowd. My my favorite match of the whole Champions League run was the Barcelona away match. This was the the one where I looked at this team and said, "You can do anything." Like to go there to be down to ten men, be down two nil, get the one back before halftime to the Ramirez trip. How was the halftime locker room? How was the vibe? Was it extremely positive? Like, hey, we're gonna go shock the world, or was it like we have a lot of work to do against <laughs> against this Barcelona team, which might that might have been the best Barcelona team? Yeah. Well, it was, it was Pep's 
perhaps Barcelona team, wasn't it? Yeah. It was difficult to play 11 against 11. We then, so, <laughs> you know, never mind with one man down. So I, 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 I sort of changed my... Uh, my, my plan, what I was going to say to the team, because obviously we scored that, that goal, the vital goal, just before half time. So, uh, made it a bit easier for me. <laughs> I have to say that made it a bit easier for me, but for, for the team as well, obviously. Um, and it, it was basically, we made some tactical adjustments, obviously, because obviously we had to, well, we, we lost, uh, you know, two, actually, two defenders right. in, in the first half. So we had to reshuffle the whole. The whole defense, but also the team. I had to, you know, we, we changed a few players. I mean, Ramirez when he scored the goal, he went from from a wing back to yeah. a right back. So there was a bit of tactical adjustment, but also a half time. You know, it was about who was in the final at that moment in time. I said to the players, "Guess who is right now in the final?" And we were in the final mm-hmm. at half time. So. Said, you know, we've got 45 minutes to to hang on to something, you know, and we can do it. And uh, and well, they looked at me, and you know, I, because obviously when you when you're a player, you're a bit more occupied with other things, you know. So <laughs> when I said, look, right now we're in the final, guys. So we've got 45 minutes. We can do it. Um, we're gonna you know, make some adjustment. Do this, do that, the other, and then you just have to, you know, you just go. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit and, and hope for the best because he was still a man down so you know against Barcelona and their ground but then as the second half was um, you know passing by you know I was looking at the scoreboard and the time was ticking along and we just looked you know, of course they were going to create chances I, that's another thing I say no, of course they're going to create chances and, and so on it's in- inevitable Um but we managed to escape, and and then good Fernando came up with uh, <laughs> a wonderful goal. He could have scored it before. That would have been nice. <laughs> <laughs> if he scored it before, before. But it, it was just a, it was just a, a really nice, perfect night, really. Um, I yeah, and what we got out of that was the Gary Neville commentary oh. of that Torres goal too. Uh, <laughs> I think it just best announcer commentary over a goal ever. <laughs> yes or no? Yeah, no, I heard it back, and that's been answered by him as well. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, everybody got a little bit uh, emotional and uh, <laughs> lost uh, the, the coolness a little bit. I mean, it, it was a bit unexpected from Gary Neville, to be honest, that reaction, but it showed, it showed how how attached he was to the to the game. You know, uh, even though he's not he's not a, a supporter of our club, but it was still an English club going through to a final, and it was a great reaction. I have to say. <laughs> yeah. No, the uh, you know we talked to some of our friends that were in the stadium that night, and they just again are like still in disbelief. You know that that it, that it happened way up in the gods. Yeah, that little uh, section yeah. up there. Oh, yeah, man. yeah, but then you know obviously got us. To, to Munich and you're just like of course Bayern made it to Munich in their own stadium right in the final yeah. there was um, no doubt about that was of course <laughs> you just saw that coming right um, and so I think you know I guess I guess the the deck seems stacked against us again yeah, yeah how, how kind of was much. that leading up because I believe you guys got the home locker room that was like one of the concessions right that Bayern couldn't be in their own locker room <laughs> at their own stadium cool. 
Um, well, we we had fortunately we had a week leading up to the game, so we you know we were able to have a good training week and and try some uh, <laughs> tactical solutions because we were we had four players out, you know, suspended. So uh, again, from from a coach's point of view. It made my choices easier because obviously, you know, there was basically everybody else was playing on the bench. So, but we tried some uh, solutions and uh, for for the final, uh, it was a good week leading up to it. Uh, Payan was obviously playing. It was a home game for them, really. You know, they're playing in their own stadium and uh, and the fans and so on. So they felt very comfortable and very confident as well. But we we sort of, you know, we sort of uh, had that. The whole way through the the Champions League, that uh, we were we, we were never the f- well maybe against Benfica we were maybe the favorite, but otherwise we were never the favorite because mm-hmm. you know the first leg against Napoli and then Barcelona and then Bayern, so we, it was sort of what we were, you know, we were just a team that was never giving up and uh, we we were hard to beat as well and. Uh, and the players, uh, they were just experienced and they knew how to deal with the amount of pressure that was on those games. And that's an important fact, or factor when you look at the history of the Champions League. Uh, we did some analysis on previous uh, teams and players and, and that won the league, uh, the Champions League. And you... you you looked at the average age, we looked at everything. And one particular aspect was that the average age of the winning team was, was pretty high. It was, it was around 29.6, I think, mm. was the average age, which meant that it needed a team to win the Champions League needed some sort of experience. And the experience means that either you've reached it a couple of times before you win it, or players that played it a number of years that didn't feel the amount of pressure that is on such one game to be able to perform because you know some some players they just they can't handle the pressure and can't perform to the level of that is expected of them and so we had a really good mixture of that. Um, and we were confident. We knew it was going to be a difficult game. You know, Bayern, a great team again, and you expect in the final to play against great teams. And so it was a it was a difficult game. They were obviously probably the favorite. They were on, on top of us from uh, most of the game as well. But, but again, we we had some important players missing that um, were you know crucial to our play and. Everybody else that actually played, uh, you know, in that final was absolutely amazing, superb. I mean, you know, it was just, uh, I, I was on the bench there and uh, it was just great to see those guys just fighting for their lives to to bring the trophy home. One of those, one of those guys who gets overlooked a lot in the performance with your Lampards and your Drogba's and your Chaxes, is John Obi McKell. Uh, who I think, if, if maybe from I don't know from yeah. which I I I from perspective, not not, not your perspective, not, not yeah. for me because he he was uh, he was unbelievable. Uh, I think he played, I think he played, I think almost every game under me, and and yes, he's he's a sort of uh, unsung hero because he he did a lot of dirty work for the team, 
and make the team work. I mean, function. You know, in that position. That's why I always said to to Obi uh, that um, in that central role, it was the role that I played as a player. So for me, it was quite natural, you know, to, to be able to to speak to him about it. Uh, it was a, it's a role that gave the the timing to the team and the players and. And he just needed to make it flow, you know. It was nothing special was required of him, but just keep it flowing, you know. Just play one touch, two touch, give the ball to whoever you see, forward if you can, blah, blah, blah. You also sort of uh, the first defense for, mm-hmm. for the four defenders and so on. And yeah, certainly not uh, from my point of view, but maybe uh, from, from the media or so on. But... That, that soccer, you know, they just <laughs> soccer fans and media. They love the, they love the creative goal scoring players. The yeah, Brandon, <laughs> big goalkeeper guy over here. I mean, biggest goalkeeper performance potentially ever. Yeah, big piece that that's, that's that is great. Yeah, no, as as my goalkeeper bias, we don't need to worry uh, about that right now. I think we all know <laughs> what Petter did in in that match. Um, well, not only that match. I mean, they did it in many matches. <laughs> well, yeah. well, we were just looking at it. He faced 1,241 shots in his career and saved 1,000 of them. He had an over an 80% save percentage in his entire career, which wow. was 10 years or whatever. So, phenomenal. Yeah. Um, do you but, want to talk about the... But you're, you're not counting, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. so. I guess, you know, you're, you're one of two managers now at Chelsea who have won the Champions League. As you maybe saw Chelsea this most recent run go through, and how what what did you see as maybe some of the similarities or differences between what Tuchel's run in? Because he had that same midseason appointment, gets kind of dropped in, has to right the ship, has to put it in the right direction. And so, yeah, I feel like as a fan, I saw a lot of similarities. But did you see it that way? And if not, maybe what did you see? Well, certainly that he came, you know, uh, when the season already started and. Uh, and it's sometimes it can be a little bit of an advantage because when you come through mid-season, maybe the expectations are a little bit lower. Mm. Uh, but he made he made uh, straight away he made a mark with the team, um, and it was it was a really good team as well. And you know they started to flourish straight away, and you could see that there was a there was a sniff of a chance. And in in terms of similarities, yeah, maybe you know mid we uh, mid-season. Take uh, took over, and then you could see that the team just win by win. They grew in confidence, um, and it was great. Again, I mean, you know, it's it's been a long time waiting for you know for the next one, wasn't it? So, uh, winning uh, and the way they won, you know, they played some really really attractive football and uh, offensive football as well. So it was really good to see, and I'm really pleased for for the players as well. You know, we still. One or two players back from uh, well, they weren't with us, but they 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 joined the season after that. You know, hadn't won it yet, so it's a great experience to play as well. You know, to have it on your CV is a fantastic achievement. It's an elite club of players. It is. It is uh, because you know not many will achieve. That result also as as coach as manager you know it's, it's a really small small club that it's it's really really I don't know if you've interviewed uh, Thomas Tuchel about it but yet but 
it's really difficult. It's really difficult to win it. It's really tough. From, from your mind, what are some of the, the differences of coaching in the Premier League and coaching in, in European competitions? How do, how do you approach those differently? Well, it's um, the English team. I mean, the Premier League, you know the team's much better you see play against them year in year out you see them every weekend on TV and blah 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 so you you know you've been following so you know very much about it and uh, and how they play the tactical uh, setup and so on and so on and when you play in European competition every because you play against different counters so you are um, facing different culture different tactical teams so everybody in, in Europe, you know, Portugal, uh, Portuguese team mm-hmm. plays slightly different to a Spanish team. Spanish team is very possession-based, most of them, yeah. majority of them. So they, they will look to have the majority of possession. Portuguese team is different from that. Italian team, again, Italian team might be a little bit more on the defensive side that focuses more on the defense and will maybe hit you on the counter. So you have to adjust, mm-hmm. okay? Well, if you play in the Premier League, you know, you know the teams and you know more, more or less how to play. They probably have to adjust to you rather than you to them. And so that's the big difference. That, And also it has a special feel to it. You know, it's it's a game that you play every two weeks or it's not that every weekend. So it has a special flair to it. Um, so it makes it, it makes it different, makes it exciting for the fans as well, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, travel to you know whether it's Milan, Rome, or Munich, or Dortmund, or wherever Leverkusen. Uh, it's 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 got a different twist to it. Mm-hmm. I uh, looking at the side now. Are there players in this current Chelsea team that you look at and you would have loved to coach them at Chelsea, and like of the existing kind of players in this this complement? Well, I, I had some fantastic players. You did, you did. I had fantastic <laughs> players. I mean, it's difficult for me to say that, you know, uh, I, I like the team today. It's, yeah. it's a very good, also quite, you know, young, energetic team. Uh, and they seem really good guys as well. And, you know, the team that I coached was, was a little bit more complicated, you know, because we had... <laughs> Really strong personality. Ever the politician right there. Strong personalities in the, in the dressing room. But if, you know, once we, you know, you could manage to get them to look at the same objective and, and fight the same objective, they were absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But can, we, can we talk about the different styles of leadership in the locker room? So, like, obviously you have your more vocal uh, leaders like JT, you have Petr Cech, who's a leader in his own way. You have Drogba, who's a leader in his own way. Like, how did you get those leadership styles to mesh and pull in the same direction? Because I'm, you're, they're all big personalities. They all have different experiences. All yeah. big time players, right? Well, I was fortunate enough to to be a. I was an ex player, so I was fortunate enough to have the respect sure. from from those players because they they knew you know. As some of them I, I played with, you know, JT and Frank, they still play when they came to the club and so on. So I was fortunate enough that. So I had, I had the respect from, from that point of view or sight. Um, and I had a lot of uh, one-to-one talks with the guys, uh, really frank talks, you know, in, in the office. And uh, so that really helped um, to... Uh, 
to give the message across. Uh, and it, it's an asset rather than a weakness, you know, it's an asset where, when you have so many leaders, but they have to function together. And that, that is the particular difficult part that you make them function together, that they put basically their individual interest, everybody on a side and look for the interest or the benefit of the team that's that's that that was the the crucial aspect that needed to be changed a little bit yeah well this is obviously been fantastic robbie i think you know if next time we do it we'll we'll definitely focus on your playing time at chelsea because what a ride that was with uh, more of a, a european flair inside chelsea maybe for the first time but uh uh, again, thanks for the time. We love having you out here in the U.S. Uh, kind of help grow the the fandom in the game uh, for the American fans. So, uh, again, thanks uh, for the time. My pleasure. Howdy, hey. It's Editor Jake from my own home because we're not on tour anymore. Oh, I, we miss you guys. I miss you guys, at least. I'm sure everyone else does. I know everyone else does. Uh, we don't probably miss the results. Um, but it's all about the fun, isn't it? Anyways... This pod's not over. There's a Lee Parker interview coming up in the second part of it. But first, we're going to thank our sponsors and go to some ads. All right, our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, well, it's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in. You know, we're all focused on our macros with protein, carbs, and and fat. And now we got to add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables. It's just hard to eat that many servings a day. So uh, I started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient. I'm getting better gut health and a more uh, durable resistant immune system. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. Again, I do it. It's easy. It's fast. It's quick. Uh, I throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work, drink it. It, it goes down quickly. Uh, and like I said, you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily. Uh, but hey, don't listen to me. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look out for your gut health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, well, part two of our Charlotte, uh, I guess, interview series, impromptu interview series. We've got uh, the legendary Lee Parker hanging out with us. Legendary. Underline the legendary. legendary. <laughs> nah. It is great to see you. We've become good friends uh, over the years. Lee, have always had time for us, which is great. Um, but now we, we've got to sit down with Robbie DiMatteo, talk mm. about the Champions League run-up. Uh, thankfully, you were at the club at that time, mm. had your own mm. perspective. So we figured we can just piggyback off of that a little bit mm. um, because you were there when ABB was let go, Robbie mm -hmm. was instilled. 
um, and kind of, I guess, like what that transition was like from a media team perspective. Sure thing. Firstly, I want to say thank you to you guys, by the way. After my maiden year podcasting, I looked yeah. up to you guys very much, studied the work that you did. <laughs> Big shoes to fill and a very high bar. So, so thank you. And uh, obviously, keep up the good work. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting time. Always an interesting time. Um, I remember it well, actually, because I was producing a live show at Stanford Bridge on the Friday, um, and Eddie Newton was the, the special guest. And then I was back doing my other day job at Cobham at the training ground on the Monday, and Eddie was there. I was like, oh, hello again. And it was all change, and Sunday it changed, and Robbie had come back in as, as manager, obviously, having been the assistant, and, and Eddie came in to, to work with, with Robbie and, and Steve Holland. So interesting time, but... As you'll know from talking to him, such a great guy. So cool, calm, collected, just easy to get on with, immediate gravitas, fantastic man manager, and, and somehow, that what I'm, we, we talked about, we had a fan event here in Charlotte. I was like, can you even put into words what that season was like? And he just smiled, and it was like, at some point you realise, probably around the Napoli game, I would imagine, you realise, right, names on the trophy here, because it was insane, wasn't it? Uh, I mean, absolutely nuts. I mean, if you if you take your mind back to that point, yeah. right? It's a lot of chaos yep. at the time. There's yep. a lot of upheaval. Mm -hmm. You have big personalities in, in the dressing room who you know are working through their second manager of the year, trying mm. to figure out mm. where they sit in this whole thing. Is there any core memory that you have from from the players at that time that would be able to take you? back to that moment where we are like, man, this is this is nuts. Like, mm. these guys are really up for this. It's a really good point. Really good point because I think it was such a fantastic dressing room at that point as well with so many big players and so many big personalities. And, you know, you can draw comparisons to the team that Robbie was part of and the big mm -hmm. players that mm -hmm. were there then. But you look at the core of that squad and, and Robbie would be the first to say that it's like, wow, these guys, you could almost argue that they'd manage themselves because they're such winners. And the hunger was there from, you know, many years of, of nearly, nearly getting there, nearly getting there. And for players like Didier, he was so hungry, so desperate to win that big trophy, um, that it, it almost felt like, you know, things were aligning. Um, and yeah, everyone was just so delighted when they finally, they finally got over the line in Munich. You know, you mentioned Munich as well, mm. and everybody has a little bit of a Munich memory that <laughs> went, and you were telling us a little bit beforehand, mm. before we started recording, that you had a particular one uh, about maybe getting a little hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we flew out, so basically there were two flights, maybe even three, actually, you know what, there were, there, were, there were two flights, and also we sent the Chelsea TV crew out earlier on in the week, um, and went via Lille to meet our friend Joe Cole, and they did a little piece with him, and then took all the kit van through to Munich. We actually flew out with the families the day before the final. We were sat with uh, with Todd Kane's parents, and they're like, "How's he doing? Is he behaving?" I was like, "Yeah, he's yeah, he's good. <laughs> he's good. Nearly played in the final, um, but he's uh, no, he was great." So anyway, so we landed, got up bright and early on match day, went out to the fan parks, just like a sea of red and then sea of blue, and it was just phenomenal. It's just such an incredible experience. So grateful to be a part of it. Before we know it, we'd been working and shooting all day. Went straight to the Allianz, went to the game. I haven't eaten. Oh, probably should, yeah, probably should get some food. Game starts. Before you know it, it's full time. Right, I definitely need to eat. I'm really flagging here, really flagging. So I was like, right, who wants something to eat? Great. Took a massive order, went downstairs, stood in the concession line for what felt like an eternity. Came back out with like massive pretzels and, and Coke and hot dogs. And 
like trying to make my way up the stairs, not dropping anything. Turn around. Little did I know that the game had restarted and a producer of ours looked at me, caught me in the eye, just pointed at the pitch behind me. I looked over my shoulder and a certain someone was lining up to take a penalty against Petr Cech. I was like, oh my God. So I had to then crouch down, balancing a metric ton of food <laughs> and drink next to like three excitable stewards. Pete saves it. Everything goes up in the air. I was like, forget it. So, <laughs> So, but that was amazing. And then, obviously, the penalty shootout. I remember losing my voice. I think it, I think it actually went when David Luiz put one in the stanchion. That was it. I was like, I knew it! I knew it! <laughs> and then we had to go outside, because we had Neil downstairs doing like player and manager interviews. My job was a little bit different then, so I was outside, and we had like a presentation area, which was a fantastic setting, with like the, 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 the lit-up aliens in the background. And my boss, Rich, was like, just get get who you can. So I'm running down to the VIP area. Eddie Jordan comes out. Eddie, Eddie, quick, give me five minutes. So the two of us are stumbling on stage. Neither of us could string a sentence together. We're all over the place. So my goodness, it would have been something to watch in here, but what a night. What a night. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned uh, Todd Kane and mm. Brandon. Yeah. Sh shall we recall the, the opportunity to potentially get a dif uh, different lineup in the, in the final? Yeah, I think that was pretty crazy. We know that there were suspensions, there was injuries. Yep. There's a lot of just, you know, again, stacking of the deck against Chelsea, <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, as you could say. Why not us? Yeah. The first version. Yeah, which would have been very uh, appropriate back then. But yeah, Lee, I know this has come out, you know, different interviews and things mm. like that. But just hearing you just walk it back that before the match, you know, we were working so hard to nurse David Luiz and Gary Cahill That's to be right. fit for that match that they actually had two different tactic board lineups in mm. the locker room. Yeah, in yeah, Munich, yeah, yeah. Not sure which one they were going to be mm. until about 30 minutes before uh, Gaz and, and the geezer got the clearance. <laughs> what was the alternative reality lineup that we almost yeah. saw? As if the first one wasn't crazy enough. Weird. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Like, you, like you, you just mentioned Brandon, obviously you had suspensions to deal with, no John Terry, no Branislav Ivanovic. And then in the weeks prior, they were basically just nursing David Luiz and Gary Cahill through it. And I'm not giving anything away. This is something that Steve Holland actually, funnily enough, said to us when he left the club in our, our sort of last interview, which was fascinating. And then Robbie's subsequently spoken about it as well. And as I mentioned, Todd Kane made the trip, Nathaniel Chalabar made the trip, and both of them were in the alternate uh, starting 11. So they had two tactics boards up. They sent David and Gary out to warm up. They genuinely didn't know if they would make it through the warm up. So if either or broke down the alternative back four, uh, would have been Todd Kane at right back, Nathaniel Chalabar and Jose Bosingo as the centre halves with Ashley Cole at left back. And genuinely, that could have been the back four um, going into that, that game. But, but David made it through, Gary made it through, and just honestly, the <laughs> to, to get through 120 minutes and penalties in the biggest game of their the most careers. most intense game, too. Just I mean, phenomenal. Under pressure the entire time. I would say getting yeah. pummeled. Yeah. 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 Just an incredible, monumental effort, but another great story from a phenomenal campaign. Well, I think that, uh, you know, it's probably good tactics that Robbie didn't ever have them leave the 30 yards so they didn't have to <laughs> yeah. jog up the pitch and <laughs> yeah. back. It was like, yeah. no, 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 just stand at the 18. That's all we need out of you guys. <laughs> uh, he talked about John B. McHale, too, and just yeah. the hero's performance he put in. But he wasn't alone. There were so many players. <laughs> yeah. But for you guys to kind of get that reaction, kind of see how, how it was, was fantastic. Dan, I liked your question to Robbie, talking about Tuchel mm -hmm. and his run coming in mid-season, having plenty of adversity himself. You were far more intimate with mm -hmm. this one, Lee. So I mean, yeah, I think you know we were we were framing it with Robbie as just like 
you're the only two managers at Chelsea to have won the Champions League. You mm. have brought in so many happy moments to the supporters over this this decade, <laughs> this this span. When you look at the similarities between the two runs, Lee, what did what did you see kind of getting to be behind the scenes for mm. both of them in a way that maybe we as supporters are looking at it from the outside? It's a very good question. I mean, we both played mm. Benfica. <laughs> don't, don't leave the man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just laughing like all these different things like on the we surface. Porto, come on, man. Well, I mean, we played Portuguese yeah. teams, right? It's just so, like a so funny... Portuguese teams, to Spanish the, teams. To the point, yeah. like... Yeah. It was crazy. That run was just crazy. And it was, again, you, you, we talk about adversity. It was like, and it was such a changeable picture as well because dealing with, with COVID and where we could play, where we couldn't play. Um, you know, we, the, the final was moved. You know, we went to Seville twice to play Porto because we couldn't go to Porto. And then we end up going to Porto for the final. And it was just, honestly, it was just literally, it felt a bit like just throwing things at it. But it was incredible. Such an amazing team effort. And I th I've spoken about this before, and, and Thomas Tuchel's just got this incredible manner about him where he, he's so all-inclusive. He's just an incredible character. I mean, I'm going to say that, but he really, he really is. And there were so many lovely touches um, towards the end of that where the, the game in Seville, we stayed over for a night, and he brought everybody out for like a barbecue after the game, um, stood up, went round every single table, shook every single person's hand and said, this is a team effort, well done, well done. Brought the chefs out who worked from dawn till dusk every single night, incorporated them. Things like that make such a big difference, you know? And he's just, he's just such a great man-manager and the way that he galvanised everybody, similar to the way that Robbie did as well, just getting a tune out of everyone at the right point. It, it was amazing and it was, uh, that night in Porto was something I'll never forget and we were lucky enough, myself and George, our cameraman, were sat next to the dugout and some of those incredible shots that you see were from his camera. So, um, oh, Tiago, yeah, 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 yeah. And Tiago coming off, bless him, Tiago coming oh. off, absolutely crestfallen. And he was sat next to us with the shirt over his head and he's like, oh my God, this poor guy. But then within five minutes, he's up and he's like main cheerleader and he's, he's motivating. He's almost a second coach for Thomas. And then we were there as they all come steaming past us out onto the pitch. And it's just this incredible outpouring of emotion, just another phenomenal, phenomenal moment and just yeah really blessed to have been part of it really uh, also being there were you surprised how quickly the city fans uh, died down in terms of their enthusiasm <laughs> after the start of full time couldn't possibly comment um, <laughs> <laughs> we were so engrossed in the moment couldn't possibly comment. but no it was amazing wasn't it it's just but it just makes you hungry and it's, the players i'm sure would i don't want to put words in their mouths but it just makes them hungry for more so we've been there we've done it we want to do it again we want to do it again i think what's really the big difference nick is that in 2012, it was towards the end of some of those careers, right? They knew time mm. was running out. Mm. It's 2021, these guys have won at the beginning of their careers. You know, like this... The amount of, schedule. Yeah, the amount of players mm. are sub-25 that have already have a Champions League trophy on their CV now mm. is amazing. So it'll be really interesting to see how they kick on. I mean, three more cup finals last season. These guys, yeah. silverware hungry. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's talk about, like, Mason and Reese, right? Mm. Two, two guys who are going to be part of this team for a long time mm. knock on some variation of wood here yeah there yeah, we yeah. go um it, as you were going through the process of, of making it through that champions league and, and talking to the players mm. what was your sense from from the younger guys in the team were, were they just oblivious to 
the pressures because they didn't have anything to compare it to, or were they well within the moment mm. and, and really felt like veterans more more than than rookies? No, that's a good question. I think I think we always talk about winning mentality, don't we? And I think the guys, hats off to the guys at the academy, Neil Bath, Jim Fraser, and the the, the team there because they have cultivated this winning mentality. So these guys use the word veteran there. It's interesting because even in their early 20s, they're used to winning tournaments. You know, they're winning FA Youth Cup after FA Youth Cup. They're, they're used to winning UEFA Youth Leagues. They're winning, you know, PL2 titles. And, and obviously it's a different level, but they've got that in their mindset. And these, some of these guys that you mentioned, Reese, you mentioned Mason, Trevor, you know, so many of these guys have grown together. And they've, they've, they've seen that, that journey together. Throw Conor Gallagher into that mix, Callum Hudson-Odoi. These are all young men that have grown and you know, experienced that. You know, for Kyle Tamori, Tammy Abraham, I'm going to miss people out, I'm sorry. Um, but that obviously helps, I think. And then when you've got managers like Frank Lampard and Thomas Tuchel that believe in you, mm -hmm. and age isn't a matter, you know, it, it doesn't matter. If you're good enough, you're old enough and you're in. So a combination, I think, of, of that elite mentality and having coaches that just believe and trust in you, it just gives them a certain freedom. And I guess it's interesting actually, your point, Brandon, about certain players maybe in 2012 that were at the latter stages of their career and they'd been through what happened in 2009 and you know the, the, the nearly moments, the nearly moments. These guys maybe hadn't had that, so maybe they did go in with a little less fear you know mm -hmm. they hadn't got that that prior knowledge that prior experience the prior hurt to to, to draw upon so there was a you know and, and nobody expected them to win it yeah. so there was an element of freedom i think so when they did do it now they've set themselves a mighty high bar haven't they that absolutely <laughs> yeah um we didn't knock tottenham out of the champions league spot like in 2012 <laughs> Uh, that was fun. It would have been perfect. You know, but it was still quite We, we quite did our enjoyable. hardest. So we, we, we got our job done. Other people didn't yeah, help yeah, us yeah, out yeah. there. No, that's good. Well, I mean, Lee, look, thank you so much for the time and, and sharing the stories. Uh, you know, the U.S. tour has been so fun. Welcome mm. back. Thank uh, you. You're doing a big part of galvanizing extra excitement and helping grow the fan base here. And I think the fans are taking quite a big liking to you guys. Oh, <laughs> well, I hope so. It, look, it's, it's, and it's, it's, it sounds sometimes jingoistic to say, but every time, and we talked to Robbie about about this and it's like the exponential growth that you see every time we come back my goodness the passion just the amount of people that are coming out to, to, to see these guys at the bar here in Charlotte we genuinely couldn't see the back of the room it was just a sea of just fanatical Chelsea fans and you know all desperate to see Robbie DiMatteo he was there for about an hour greeting everybody signing every shirt taking every picture and just the love and the passion is just absolutely phenomenal I mean, we'd come back every year if we could no, we love it. Hopefully every other year I think we can compromise <laughs> on so the rest of the world can enjoy. But, uh, yeah, no, thanks for the time, Lee, and I'm Pleasure. sure we'll see you around. Look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work.